In a new report released today, BC's representative for children and youth, Jennifer Charlesworth, is recommending long overdue changes to supports for youth transitioning out of government care to provide them with the same kind of sustained support that young people who aren't in care typically receive from their families. The report, A Parent's Duty, Government's Obligation to Youth Transitioning into Adulthood. It's available online. You can read the whole thing now, pulling together decades of research findings. Pleased to welcome to the program now, BC's Child and Youth Representative, Jennifer Charlesworth. Thank you so much for the time here today. Thank you so much for your time, Jeff. I wanted to start here. Uh, this report, it has been dedicated to the late Catherine McParland. Her, her untimely passing, you know, has been a huge blow to, to many people. And, uh, you know, we have had the great fortune to, to walk alongside this this passionate young advocate for social justice here in Kamloops um, for, for quite some time. And if you could see the notes that are being posted on the Away Home Kamloops office here downtown, um, it's easy to see the impact that she had on, on people here locally. But I know her reach went well beyond the borders of Kamloops. I just wanted to start with why you felt it was important to dedicate this report to a real champion, uh, Catherine McParland, who uh, unfortunately we lost at a far too young of age. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for your honoring of Catherine uh, in just the way that you introduced her and her importance within your community. And my heart goes out to your community as well and to the young people that have been so deeply impacted. So Catherine is, uh, as one of our staff said, if Honorable Ted Hughes is the father of the RCY, Catherine is our daughter. So it's been a huge blow to the representative for children and youth office because we too have walked alongside her and been informed and inspired and invigorated and she's poked and prodded us to to do our work in a really good way. So it was important for us to dedicate this report to her because it was something that she contributed to and of course she has illuminated the impact of homelessness and the superhighway from being in care to homelessness based on her own experience and on the uh, information that she's gathered from many, many young people with lived expertise. So it just was the, the only thing we could do was to keep speaking her name and honoring her and her work and keep that alive. Yeah, well, thank you so much for those kind words. And, and I know people here in Kamloops are, are still reeling over, over her loss. And it's, uh, yeah, like I said, came at far too young of an age. With that said, hard to transition out of that, but I do want to talk a little bit about this report. And, and I think for, for those who are listening, maybe they don't have a full grasp. And you know what? I don't really necessarily have a full grasp of the concerns that come when people do transition into adulthood. So for those who are, you know, getting and receiving government care, what happens when they turn 19? What are the real issues that are immediately felt as soon as that birthday comes? Yes. So... Prior to 19, if a young person is being raised by the state, and that's the government is their, their parent, they are provided with some housing, they are provided with food, with appropriate supports for their education, their clothing and those kinds of things. Um, and at the age of 19, the state, the government, backs away. They no longer have any responsibility and support and no longer provide support. So all of those things that a young person might have been relying upon in order to support them. And, you know, let's face it, if you're in care, something's happened to you. There's trauma and just being in care is traumatic in and of itself. So all of those fundamental supports 
end at the age of 19. It's a terrifying time for young people. And while there are some programs that are available to them after 19, they have to apply, they have to make sure they're eligible, and that's a pretty tall order for a lot of young people. Now, one of the things that you talked about in your report is sort of how um, those services that they would typically receive up until their 19th birthday, because we're in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of those supports have actually been extended. Um, and, and this, I think, ties into some of your recommendations that you've made here as well, and we'll get to those. But, you know, has, has the COVID-19 pandemic, I don't want to say it's been a positive, but, I mean, it must have had some sort of good impacts for those who are continuing to receive some government support because, uh, you know, there was obviously concern that they might just get left out in the cold otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, this is there are some bright spots in COVID. We have to look hard for them, but they're there. One of the bright spots is that government moved very, very quickly and was very nimble and flexible and creative in extending the supports for young people. So if they uh, turned 19 during this period of time in the, in the pandemic, they have had the opportunity to stay in place, to stay with their foster caregiver or in their staffed home, a group home. Um, they've also, the government expanded eligibility for the one program for uh, agreements with young adults, it's called AYA, and so it expanded the eligibility so that there were more young people that could benefit from that after they turned 19 to uh, get some life skills training or access to some education and uh, also some treatment or rehabilitation supports. So those are important developments. And as a result of that, there's been some good learning and that's been really helpful for young people. So we've been encouraged. And that also teaches us, hey, we can do things differently. So let's learn from that and see what makes a difference and carry on doing that. Now, the report makes seven recommendations to help in these situations as people do transition into adulthood. Um, it says, for the most part, we can implement all of these by April of 2022. So among the seven recommendations, I guess, uh, just to kind of single out one or two, maybe off the top, what do you think is kind of more, more immediate? What can be done right away? I mean, we talked about just now, you mentioned some of the things that are ongoing as a result of COVID. Those seem like they would be pretty simple to, uh, to just, you know, put those into policy as opposed to uh, letting them, um, you know, go back to the way they were prior to, to the pandemic. So what, what are some immediate actions that can be taken? And then we'll get into some of the longer term actions thereafter. Right. So the government has extended the um, emergency measures in a couple of areas for young people that are turning, that are turning 19 or have turned 19. So that goes forward until the end of September, which, uh, uh, 2021. So that's good. That gives lots of opportunity to um, ensure that there's some good learning. So basically carrying on that and making sure that they, they, uh, we can figure out what's been beneficial and what to extend. So there's some good evaluation that can be gathered there. The other thing that I think is really important that can be done and enhanced right now is extending and improving the transition planning. So the first recommendation we make actually is as a young person is in care from 14, 15 years of age, Planning should be happening there to help them build the skills and capacities to transition into adulthood well. So we think that that is a requirement now. We know that it's not actually done in many cases to the full extent that it should be. So that's something we think is a, is a way to start right now. 
One recommendation that uh, I just kind of wanted to highlight here is is it says provide additional dedicated housing for youth aging out of care through a plan led by BC Housing to end youth homelessness with particular attention to youth transitioning out of care. What what kinds of housing situations do people find themselves in if, you know, if they haven't made any plans and, you know, I understand the difficulty that comes with being, you know, in the foster system or, or whatever kind of government supports that they're under. And, and once you kind of hit that 19th birthday, if those supports aren't there, you're sort of left to your own devices to figure things out. Where do people typically end up now if they don't really have a, a good plan in place? Yes, well, Catherine was the expert in understanding that, so we've learned a lot from her in the report that she did with our support called From Marginalized to Magnified on Youth Homelessness. So what we see is that young people, when they have not been well supported and prepared, and when lots is going on in their lives and they're dealing with a number of uh, challenges, that's where we see young people uh, aging out of their foster home or their staffed home or their placement into couch surfing, homelessness, tent encampments and uh, or in situations where they might have to have multiple roommates and sometimes that cannot go that might not go very well we also see an increased um, risk of young women in particular in survival sex and so sexual exploitation is something because young people are trying to figure out how they're going to survive and where they're going to sleep so those are pretty significant risks we also see through some of the other work that we've done that this can really increase the likelihood of substance use, uh, problematic substance use. And as many young people tell us that they use substances to numb the emotional pain or to just kind of get through the day. So as you can appreciate, then that becomes pretty problematic for young people if they're feeling like the rest of their world is completely unstable then substances might be the, the escape. So that's what we see is, is young people not having safe places to live. So with that in mind, I guess, what does uh, dedicated housing look like? Could you, could you describe sort of what the ideal plan sure. would be if, uh, if you know, we were to implement this recommendation, which I think is really a key one here, is making sure that there are places for them to live that aren't going to be, um, you know, a danger to them or, or prohibitive in, in continuing to, to move on into adulthood. What does that housing program look like? Yes. Well, there are some that have been built in British Columbia that are wonderful examples. So they, what they look like is um, uh, housing sort of like an apartment building or an apartment kind of style where there might be a bachelor studio or, or one bedroom apartment. But what we see is that having something that's really dedicated to that young adult population or the young people that are transitioning out of care so that there's access to wraparound support. So you're not just, okay, here's your key, off you go, have a good life. It's like, here's your key, this is who's safe, somebody's down the hall, you know, we're attached to, in fact, the number are attached to um, other community resources. So that is really helpful because then if someone is trying to upgrade their education or they're trying to get some supports to uh, participate meaningfully in volunteer activities or to deal with uh, upgrading their education, that kind of thing, then there's something that's close by and attached to the community. So that's the ideal is if you've got housing that has access to other community-based supports close by 
and that that housing is designed with young people in mind. It might be mixed housing, it might be elders and uh, there's a wonderful example in Kamloops um, done by the delegated agency there of the integrated youth and elders. So those are beautiful examples of what it can look like where there's also some, some good support. That sounds uh, like a great idea, and I'm all, I'm all in full support of that. And, and I did want to ask one more question here, because it's always about money, right? We always have to talk about the dollars and cents that surround these types of uh, solutions to problems. They always sound, of course, very, very expensive. And you noted in your report, you know, it's not necessarily cheap to implement all this, but at the end of the day, it will actually provide a significant savings if we were to take better care uh, of those transitioning into adulthood. So I'll just get you to explain the numbers how is this actually going to save BC money in the long run? Right. It's such an important question, especially when we have a difficult fiscal situation as a result of COVID. But there has been some excellent research done both here in British Columbia and in other parts and other jurisdictions. And basically what it says is that when we invest in young people in providing these transitional supports, if, for example, if we were to implement uh, many of the recommendations here, a 2016 estimate would be about another $57 million um, uh, contribution or investment. Having said that, the return on investment is uh, multiple times beyond that. So basically, the, if we just take a pure economic lens, it makes more sense for us to invest because we save in things like mental health care, physical health and uh, hospital visits, uh, participation in criminal activity, police activity, uh, people not being able to attach to the labor force because they don't have the skills, they haven't completed their education, and on and on and on. These are situations where if we don't improve the outcomes for these young people, then they aren't able to be fully participating and have good life outcomes. And that costs the state too. So it just makes more sense for us to do it in a proactive way. It makes perfect sense to me. We'll see what happens uh, though, as, as uh, <laughs> you know, we make these recommendations, we'll see if the government listens. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I really appreciate the time, an important subject. And uh, yeah, really, really thank you so much for, for coming on and highlighting these issues. Thank you so much. And let's keep going forward in memory of Catherine. Awesome stuff. There is BC's representative for children and youth, Jennifer Charlesworth.